This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone. This is the Meaningful Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of meaningful sport. Uh, welcome back to the second part of our conversation with Dr. Ross Vaidi from St. Mary's University. In the first part, we explored his work on sports injuries, and in the second part, we will explore growth following adversity, which is another field where Ross has had a significant contribution. So welcome back, Ross. And can you provide us a brief overview of when growth following adversity became a focus for sports psychologists? It's still something that is relatively new, right? Yeah. Um, well, I think yeah, growth following adversity, I mean, that, that falls um, directly under the sort of the remit of sports ethic as well. So athletes are always kind of uh, quite a norm in sport is to always treat adversity as a challenge to overcome. So I, I think it's probably been around for quite some time. But I guess in terms of the concept of growth on adversity, I first came aware of it in 1995. Um, there was a researcher called Elaine Udry who looked at how injury could, there could be some benefits to injury. So through the experience of being injured, you can actually come out potentially more resilient, um, stronger support network, perhaps a, a change in life, sort of your philosophy, a bit of a change in the meaning of sport. And there was, there was some underlying kind of benefits. And that, that publication got, n- nothing really came of it. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a good decade until that sort of publication was picked up again. And it sort of raised my attention. I think at the time when I um, started to explore injury, it, again, it was kind of like quite doom and gloom. Injury is a negative event with negative consequences. And and this paper by Elaine Uges just was a bit different to me. I was like, oh, this is different. And back when I was 20, um, you could very much label me as quite an optimist. I was very much glass half full kind of kind of guy. And that kind of storyline of positivity, I, I would have loved. Um, I'm quite different now as a person, but that I, I, I can see my younger self. I would have just loved that. And I was just, I remember chatting to my supervisors. I was like, you know, this, this is great. You know, no one's picked this up before. Why, why aren't we running with this? And then um, my supervisors actually, funny enough, didn't really like it. And I was just like, well, no, 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 there's some, there's some legs to this. And then I remember working, or just just finishing sort of my PhD, and I was had the opportunity, I was looking to work with some undergraduates and supervising their dissertations, and they got hooked into it as well. And I was just like, oh, this is interesting. And it kind of escalated from there. I got, I had very good intentions with this at the start. I, I saw, um, I saw the good in it. It was a, a storyline that I've always quite liked. You know, you can see quite common in most movies, you know, something bad happens and there's a happy ending and we all grow. And, and I guess I probably was heavily heavily influenced by that. But I really enjoyed that kind of area of research. And I saw huge value in it because I was like, you know, my thinking at the time was if, if we can come back more resilient, you know, if you look at the resilience literature, it shows improved performance, 
you know, if people can combat with stronger social networks, if you look at the injury literature, they're less likely to get injured because you, if you get a good support network. And, you know, if you start having improved well-being, you know, you've got, it can do lots of good. The storyline could do good. And that excited me at the time. And that's why I decided to continuing to research that area. Yeah, for me, it's been like especially interesting that one of the areas I've been interested in is spirituality in sport. And there aren't like a million studies in sports psychology and that topic. But one area where it seems to sometimes come up is this growth following adversity. So there is some new spiritual growth or for religious athletes, there might be this stronger sense of connection with God in some studies that is also coming out. So it seems to be really for some athletes, these studies are showing that there can be this kind of transformative experience and also this spiritual dimension to it, but sometimes also this kind of somehow finding more meaning in sport after those experiences as well. So I can certainly see why this is certainly something that is very appealing for us. But then I think what is really where this research has been going, you have been working a lot on how we are really expected to tell these stories. So we are expected to tell a story that something good came out of the bad. So maybe we can talk about that dimension as well. So yeah, if you can, if you can, um, if you can imagine me, Nora, a very happy, positive, upbeat young man doing research, I think excited about it, feeling that I'm doing good. I think the worst thing I did, which is probably secretly one of the best things is I started chatting to sociologists and they're critical about everything and they're the best thing I've ever done. But then suddenly I, I became far less naive and far more critical of it. And, and it was really interesting when I started, you know, I was presenting this at conferences, I was getting a few publications, you know, a lot of my PhD students were creating new interventions, uh, you know, constructed a new theory around it. And I, I was quite excited by it. Then, you know, a lot of people were then quite critical of it. And I was just like, I was just like, what, what do you mean? What, what, what's, what's wrong with it? it? You know, this is fantastic. You know, I, I could see the silver lining. I thought everyone would just buy into it. And I, you know, I was very much seduced by the storyline. And, you know, and I started, I started reading more and more and it was coming back to sort of, I started reading like Arthur Frank's work and Brett Smith's and, and those kind of work. And they, you know, they, a lot of, a lot of that work was saying, you know, how storylines can do good and good and do bad. Um, and, you know, they can bring trouble as well. And I guess I started to become far more critical of it. And, and I saw it as well. And it was really interesting when I started to disseminate it. You know, people were taking this storyline in various different ways that I hadn't anticipated. So again, I saw it as doing good. But then, you know, people were like, well, you know, we need to create more adversity then. This, this is fantastic. So Ross, how can we get athletes to get, you know, what kind of adversity or bumps in the road should we put there to get athletes? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't mean, I didn't mean that. And but, you know, they're running away with various different interpretations. And, and I remember one athlete that we, it was a student of mine, and we interviewed and we were reading the transcript together and debating it. And, and you know, they were like, no, I, I've got no growth. I've got no growth here. And we were like quite damning at first. We were like, well, why, why can't this individual grow? Or what's, there's so much scope for it here. And, um, and we started realizing then how damaging it can be, you know, the individual we interview is like, you know, this can be quite a damaging thing here. You know, you're placing huge expectations on me. You know, not only is it good enough that I recover now, um, you know, but now you want to come back physically, mentally, spiritually wiser. And um, you can place huge expectations on people, which is something I never realized. And it just it 
it really opened up the complexity of the story. And there's, there's all the real downsides to it as well, which, um, which I was unaware of. It's very much, I've written it, I've read most of the stuff in the mainstream literature as well, and it's very much still individual focused. It's very neoliberal. So how can, you know, how can that one individual come back stronger? Over time, I guess, um, and read it wider myself, and that's, that's annoyed me a bit because actually a lot of the change can happen beyond the individual. You know, how can relationships change? How can teams change? How can organizations change? How can cultures change? And so a, a big worry of mine as well is that the literature needs to shift. It needs to move away from just this individual focus, which because I guess if you keep it at that individual focus, we will never address how adversity comes about, the social circumstances that lead to adversity. You know, like the sports ethic, which, you know, leads to injuries and things like that. So the more and more I got seduced by the storyline, but the more I read and the more critical I got, I, I really started to pull away. And I, I, I've had long chats with Melissa Day about it. And, you know, when we were writing the book on growth and adversity in sport, um, I had lots of sleepless nights. I, I started to question, you know, what, what am I doing here? You know, my... I started to worry that I'm actually doing more harm than good by pushing the storyline. Am, am I creating expectations? Am I, am I ignoring social adversity? Am I, I don't know. I just had, it's, it's been a really interesting journey with that storyline. I've loved it. I've hated it. I've wanted to run away from it, but I'm still seduced by it. And it's just, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many ideas that we can follow up on. Let's first yeah, <laughs> talk about on that how this is being used and this is something that i also get questions in relation to existential learning which is this concept that we worked with in the past couple of years and basically that idea that when there is a disjuncture in your life that might challenge you to reflect on yourself and your relationships and and the way you are in the world and perhaps there will be some kind of change in the mode of being and then also so i've got these questions should coaches be putting these bumps just like you said mm. and i mean in our work the position is that by being in the world we are thrown into situations that challenge us in in various ways so there is no need to put any any bumps just being a human being you have to make choices you have to yeah. things happen to you whether you want it or not and these are these potential moments of existential learning if we recognize and if we reflect on those. But I also I really see the danger of we are talking about quite similar narratives. So the growth following adversity that, OK, we really want athletes to have them growing. And how are we going to create that adversity? I think it's a really dangerous direction where it can be taken if we are not careful. Yeah, I, I really agree. Um, and it, is, it, it can be very dangerous. Yeah, I mean, what I quite like with the book, though, is um, one thing I do quite like is that it, it really pushes for beyond the individual. And I think it, that I think in that way, the book can do good. Yeah. You know, if, if we can start changing cultures, changing organizational processes, the way um, teams um, work, you know, we could reduce future adversity, um, which I think is good. But, but by me continuing to research this storyline, it's interesting that I keep pushing it. Uh, and, you know, if, if it is interpreted by coaches, for example, that, you know, we need to put these bumps in the road, that is a worry. And I guess th there's huge tensions around that. I mean, who who 
who decides what the bump is, who puts the bump in the road. There's huge power dynamics normally between coaches and athletes. But if coaches are deciding on these bumps, if coaches are picking on weaknesses that they see as weaknesses in their athletes, it comes with lots of moral tensions, I think. And we don't know the outcome as well. Somebody might grow and somebody else might be devastated and stop doing sport. That's it. And they can, they can obviously lose social capital then. They can get labelled as, you know, they're not tough enough for sport. And that, that has consequences as well. And, um, and, and I know I've told you this before, Nora, but that's one of the reasons why I've stopped doing this area of research now. So I'm, I think you come through turning points during your academic career. And I think, you know, for the remainder of my ac- academic career, I, I, I'm slightly worried about continuing to push that storyline. Uh, I, I feel like I'd like to create other stories a way of story and experiences in sport. So I've kind of shied away um, from that now and moving into new terrain. I still see I still see value in it. I, you know, I, I still think it's huge sorts forms of social adversity in sport, whether it's gendered, you know, ableist kind of you know, adversities or stigmas around mental health, all these kind of things, you know, we can challenge and bring about change. But I think at the moment, the way I'm sitting with it, and I'm, you never know, you may come back to these things. I see more harm than good at the moment, which doesn't sit well with me. And I think me pushing now towards broader storylines, I think will will help me um, as an academic. I think it would be interesting. It challenges me, um, but I think it will hopefully help the field more importantly and the end user. I think I hope. Yeah, and when you said that this story can do some, it can have also these harmful consequences. And you talked about this athlete who said that they didn't experience growth Mm. did you have many of these situations in in the interviews and and do you feel that as a researcher if you go and you want to study growth following adversity that athletes are also feeling that they are expected to give you stories of growth even if none happened yeah i i I really do Lauren. i think um yeah i think you you just become a better i mean to use i know you quite like the word the sort of craftsmanship uh i think I'm, i'm over time, I'm, 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 I feel like I'm getting a better research. I mean, I think so. Whether other people think so is another matter. But I think you know, I was seduced by that storyline, and I, I think you know, going back and being reflexive, and you know, looking at what Andrew Sparks posed to me and other people. You know, what story is driving you? And I, I was seduced by that storyline, and I wanted to see that storyline in other people. It'd be interesting, you know, if I go look at these transcripts again that we're analysing, you know, did I just pick out what I wanted to see? You know, how reflexive was I as a researcher? You know, how much did I push the interviewee down that line? And I think, you know, now I, I try and be quite reflexive. And I think it's being quite reflexive with you really helps when you go on these interviews and you can see different things. I'd be interested how much I did expect it to come through and it was it was really interesting when people challenged me um in the interview and sort of said no you know i I didn't expect it and and it's not a good thing and those kind of things you know got to pick up on those things you know to be a good i think to be a good academic when people start challenging you you need to go down those paths and see where they take you that's the that's that's the exciting thing for me i think yeah not just being somebody who is seduced by the storyline but i you've also written about how strong cultural pressure there is for this storyline so as a researcher you're pushing that but also athletes when they are talking about their experiences in the media they are very much expected to say that you know they will come back stronger than before yeah, yeah i i had like a interesting personal experience with that when a dog attacked me when i was cycling and i was in the hospital for 3 weeks and almost got my leg amputated because of that wow and 
I'm perfectly healthy now, but just like I didn't, I can make various meanings out of that. But when people ask me, everybody's expecting that you have changed and, yeah. and you have like a new perspective. And so everybody's offering me that story yeah. every time I tell about that. So I really experienced the pressure for telling a story of growth and being grateful to be well, I sincerely feel that I'm grateful to be able to, to have a leg and to be able to run and cycle and do all those things. But certainly it's such a strong pressure to tell those stories. And if I said that, no, it was just terrible and nothing good came out of it, it's it's not the story that people want to hear. It's not. And it, it's funny when, when you have those chats, this, the chats just fall short, doesn't it? People <laughs> People don't want to hear and they move on to different topics and... Mm, I just don't know what to say because it's so countercultural to say that. It really is. For me, when those interactions come up, I don't shy away now and I, I challenge them. And I think the other thing that um, I'm starting to appreciate more, and it may just be a fact of maturity and, and doing more of these interviews and reading some good scholarly work, is it really starting to appreciate sort of paradox now. On the one hand, you know, Nora, you may have experienced some kind of growth, whether you but there's also, you know, you, you still link, you know, there's still maybe something and then there's still downsides to that. And, you know, and, and that's something that bogs me with the growth literature is, you know, a lot of it just shows the silver lining. Um, but actually, you know, people are still suffering and, and you can experience both at the same time. And it's not, although society may want to accentuate the positive, but there's still an underlying current there. You know, people who experience adversity still suffer. They're still challenging it, working it through, and it can resurface in your life. Um, and it can have long long-standing impact on you. So um, I'd, love, I'd love to see the literature going towards that way, having this more paradoxical understanding, the good, the bad, the ugly, and bringing it all together, the multiplicity of it all. I'd love to see research going down that path as well. Yeah, so you are moving away from that literature, but I'm sure that people will continue with this area and we talked about this cultural script and somehow trying to move beyond that so that when we talk to athletes they don't feel that they just have to give us the story that now everything is great but how how do we move beyond that and and where should the ones who are interested in doing this work in terms of methodology uh, what would be some good directions to go yeah, um, really good question. I think um, what I really like there was there's a paper written by one of my students called Carly Roy Davis and uh, from an applied point of view, I quite liked some of the elements to it. So very much at an, an intrapersonal level, but, you know, uh, she interviewed sports psychologists about working with injured athletes and, you know, about really, you know, when you work with them, don't expect growth, don't label it as growth. Growth may be temporary. You know, what what's growth one day may change the next day. I quite like, from an applied point of view, more research around that about, you know, if we are going to explore growth, some of the tensions and some of the um, sort of worries about applying it. So I think that's good. I, I think a big big area for me, which I'd love to see people go down, is moving beyond the individual and looking for broader change. I mean, I love the research around now about, you know, sport activism and sport advocacy and really this sort of social change, this movement. Um, I, I really, I think it's brilliant and it's really welcomed, I think. And, you know, I'd love to see people, you know, moving just beyond how can we make individuals more resilient and tougher from their experiences and moving on how can we create better spaces and better cultures and 
and better processes in place to support people. I'd love to see people running with that. And as well, embracing the messiness of this concept and the richness of it, it can mean various different things to people. I'm quite critical of sort of an area of research um, that seems to be gaining a lot of attention in mainstream psych about whether people's experiences are true or whether they're false. Is it genuine growth or is it illusory kind of growth? For me, that has quite moral implications. Should we really be invalidating people's experiences? You know, you're a fake, you're, you're not telling the truth, but thank you for your interview or something like that. I don't, these things can still do good for people. You know, mm -hmm. a growth following adversity can just be a coping strategy, it can enable people to cope. To have the belief that there may be something good at the end of the tunnel, there may be a light at the end of the tunnel, something can pull people through some quite dark patches. They may never, there may never be a light at the end of the tunnel, it may never be changed. But I think, I think some people who experience some tough times, and myself included, you know, I've had tough times in my life, hope, hope's really important amongst despair. I think, you know, a layer of hope or, you know, a spoonful of hope can be really helpful. So I think we need to be quite careful in dismissing, you know, people just using a storyline as a way of coping. It can do good in that sense. I think it's a really complex issue that also in the psychology of meaning in life and when several times it's been asked, like, what are the sources of meaning in your life? And there's the criticism that a lot of people haven't really thought about that so much. So they will just say the things that are most dominant in the culture, you know, like my work and my family and my hobbies and something like that without giving it a lot of thought. Yeah. And then are we, are we just getting the cultural stereotypes or the most common answers that people yeah. will jump into that storyline and I guess that's probably behind this when you talk about is your story is it fake or is yeah. it authentic and obviously we can have a big debate about yeah. authenticity in itself as a concept if such thing even exists but I guess just in terms of how can we move beyond just that cultural script, having a good rapport, maybe having a longer interview yeah. and having this trusting relationship that athletes can also talk about these things that about the vulnerability and when things didn't go well and, and it's a safe space to also go beyond this narrative of something bad happened and now I'm in a better place and a stronger athlete and, and so forth. But it's a difficult thing to do. It really is. And I think, you know, um, there's a couple of examples I can think of. I mean, it's really nice, like Karen, uh, sort of Karen Howe's work, where she started to challenge uh, participants in her interviews. So what do you mean by growth? What does that mean? What does, that mean? What does it look like? And, and they didn't go anywhere with it. And, you know, that's when she started to question it. And I really like um, the paper I was referring to about Kylie Roy Davis. And she draws from taking, she recommended quite a Socratic approach, getting sports psychologists to really question this and really Perhaps once the rapport is developed, I think it's very much about the timing of when to do it. You know, really questioning them and, you know, making them aware that they may just be adhering to a dominant norm or a storyline and, and looking at other ways that they can sort of story their experiences. But it's, a, it's an exciting space. There's lots of there's lots of tensions with it, which I think is great. It's great to start unpicking it and sort of moving beyond sort of the positivity of it and really start understanding sort of the complexity of that story, I think. Yeah, it's been... A wonderful discussion. I think we touched upon a lot of complex ideas and destabilized the storyline a little bit. If I would be starting to do research in this area, what would be the main things you would like me to consider when I start doing that work? Yeah, the big things, if it's growth on adversity, I think the big things moving forward for me is think beyond the individual. So when 
when you think of growth, if that if you want to label it that, think beyond the individual. So what else can change? How did this adversity come about? You know, could we prevent it in the future? You know, rather than athletes, athletes having to keep going through with it. So for me, it's very much think big. So think beyond the individual. I'd say um, a second thing for me would be stay critical. Don't be seduced by it. You know, it can do good, it can do bad. So keep critical. Uh, the other thing I'd really like to see future researchers do is think more interdisciplinary. You know, this research is really largely done, if, you know, if I just look at sports science, it's really done from a psychological point of view. But, you know, it had, you know, we can draw from biology, we can draw from sort of more social theory. Uh, and it'd be great to start bridging those together, which is something Melissa Day and Karen House, we kind of push it towards the end of our book, to pushing, pu pushing those kind of boundaries. So that's something I'd like to see. But yeah, I think that'll probably be some of the key things I think moving forward. Yeah, and we look forward to seeing some exciting work coming out in this area as well. And you are saying that you are moving away from this work. You are still working with the sport injury topic. What are some of the other new avenues where you will see yourself working in in the next five years? Yeah, really uh, great question. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm stay, I'm definitely much going to stay in the sport injury. Um, I'm really lucky to have some um, some great researchers, but it would be very much yeah if in that in that line of work. It'd be very much cultural relational, so pushing that and really building up on the book. Um, I do a lot of research actually um, with amputations, um, so that's um, a big line of work for me. So we I do a lot of that work with Melissa Day. So we do a lot of work with the National Health Service here. It's it's not um, which is really about looking at um, hospital settings, the cultural narratives in these rehabilitation environments. And there's been some great research by Phoebe Sanders on this. So I'm really happy with her work and we're building upon that now with Fiona Leggett who's building on her PhD um, and also doing work with um, a lot of the charities. So I'm a trustee for the charity Limb Power. Um, so when people leave um, sort of the hospital setting, you know, how can sport and exercise help them in their ongoing sort of rehabilitation and sort of life afterwards? Um, so I'm excited to go down that road. So there are probably two main roads that I'm really interested in moving forward. So really excited about hopefully doing some good there and hopefully helping people. So yeah, and obviously working with you is on my bucket list. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we will certainly develop some some project <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. I really enjoyed our conversation. My absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Research Through Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.